You're listening to the Coach T Podcast hosted by my dad. Welcome to another episode of the Coach T Podcast. I am delighted to have Frankfurt head coach, Jamie Smith. How are you doing today? I'm good. Weather's nice. Just enjoying <laughs> summer. <laughs> 92 degrees. Uh, balmy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, your background, um, competitive-wise, uh, from youth to high school, and we'll just take it from there. So my journey is probably completely different than most of your interviewers. Uh, so I have five old, I have five brothers, three that are older, two are younger. So I grew up in a wrestling family. Uh, we traveled um, in a van that said Sten's Brothers Wrestling. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as many times at a tournament, we'd be somewhere and they'd be like, oh, I didn't even know there was a girl. And I'm like, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> and Sten's Brothers and one sister wrestling. Um, so grew up, my my oldest brother was cut from the basketball program, you know, early on. And then we transitioned to wrestling. Um, my youngest, youngest brother, I think his first footsteps, we have them on video because Jake was wrestling at the time and it happened to be in the corner across the wrestling mat, you know? So oh my gosh. a lot of times that people ask me, how did you start coaching wrestling? And I'm like, well, I have five brothers who wrestled and a dog named Gable. Like, what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> um, That's so crazy. So, so you grew up in this kind of this wrestling family, so to speak. Um, now you guys are originally from Alpena, right? Yes. Well, I'm actually from the UP. Uh, I grew up in okay. KI Sawyer Air Force Base. So our youth experience was through Gwyn's youth program. And then when my dad retired mm. in the Air Force, we moved to Alpena. But that's where we did junior high and high school. Okay. All right. And I'm trying to, I want to say one of your brothers was is kind of my age because I graduated in 02. So. Yeah. So I, uh, my older brothers were 99. Uh, I have three older okay. brothers because I have one biological and two um, we took over legal guardianship, so I called my foster brothers. Um, they all graduated mm-hmm. in 99. I graduated in 01, and then my other brothers are, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, so around 05, 07. There's about a six-year gap. Okay. Yeah. Because so. I remember their names, and, you know, I, I feel like I've been around a long time, not as long <laughs> as some of these other coaches, per se, but, um, you know, the name and, and seeing the faces, I'm like, gosh, I've seen this guy at every <laughs> single tournament. Where is this, who is this guy? So. <laughs> Um, so, so you grow up in this family and it's true. It's just like wrestling all the time. Um, did you do any cop, uh, competing at the high school level or at the college level? So I wrestled a little bit in high school. I actually played football and wrestled. Um, and then, uh, I played girls soccer. My football coach convinced me to play soccer. I needed a girls sport. Um, and my parents Mm -hmm. didn't discourage me to wrestle, but my my sophomore year of high school i made the olympic development program uh team for soccer so it made sense for me to pursue soccer there were not opportunities to wrestle in college um at that time Mm -hmm. so i went on and i ended up blowing out my knee i went to olivet college which is a great wrestling college i feel like everyone who coaches has definitely um been from olivet it feels like it's a reunion every (laughs) every tournament (laughs) oh yeah so with my, my older brother, Jake Stens wrestled there with Chris Dunham and, and that whole crew. And I started doing freestyle tournaments with them uh, and refing okay. with them. And so I, that was the first time that I actually really felt like I got to wrestle girls. Right. So we'd go to these freestyle tournaments right. and I'd come in and I'd, you know, weighed 135 and there'd be two girls in my bracket. And then I'd go up to the next one at 142 and I'd wrestle the two girls in that bracket. And 
I think one time I wrestled all the way up to like 168 before I was like, okay, I can't gut wrench you. You're too heavy. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I pulled something in my back. Um, so I don't want to yeah, wrestle okay. anybody bigger. Uh, and, and so I did a little bit in college. Um, Shane Tisdale, Lansing Sexton, he was doing some girl uh, stuff. Cause in, you know, 2004, uh, women's wrestling was the Olympics. So he had kind of pulled yeah. me in even at Lansing Sexton and said, I just want some women. I want to push girls wrestling. Mm-hmm. what what possesses um me to be a clinician but uh after graduating and my my husband wrestled at Olivet College Ethan Smith um wrestled mm-hmm. at TC Central so I ended up at Traverse City I was coaching boys and girls soccer uh upon graduation my husband was coaching wrestling and five years at TC Central and I got a teaching job at Frankfurt um mm. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I ended up there uh and it is my 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 wrestling coaching background before taking over the program at Frankfurt was I coached my little brother's mat side and they made mm-hmm. me look really good. Cause I could yell random things and they would hit it. Um, they were <laughs> right. both, um, my younger brothers are both brilliant wrestlers. You know, they'd come through the, the youth programs. They actually wrestled for Davison's club. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they made me look great. And I, I was very confident in my coaching capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about some of the people that you uh, mentioned. So Chris Dunham, and I go pretty far back because I started officiating my senior year of high school. And Chris was still competing. Um, you know, we, we he would compete on Fridays and then officiate on Saturdays. And Shane has known me. Shane Tisdale has known me since I was 11, 12 years old. So um, known him for a long time. He's always been a big, big supporter of women's wrestling, um, especially in the state of Michigan. And it's interesting that you mentioned that about um, – I can remember as a youth wrestling my first female competitor. I believe her name was Laura DeSaisere from Monroe. She had a twin sister named Sarah. And, I mean, she was tough, really tough. And I think of, like, the Elena Barubis, who was, I believe she was Escanaba, mm-hmm. uh, where if they were growing up in this time and the opportunities um, that would have been presented to them to wrestle at the high school level, but... I don't want to spoil it. I know we're going to get into that. But I just, <laughs> it just kind of jogs my mind thinking about that and um, moving forward. So right. you, you you get over at Frankfurt um, in 2011. Mm-hmm. And tell me about that experience of, of, of building a program that, I mean, I didn't hear about it until you were able to win your first district title. Like, I bring you for that whole process. <laughs> um. So it's a little confusing um, and, and muddied water, to be honest. So I, uh, you know, my first year teaching, it's a tiny, tiny school there. We graduate 30 kids. Um, mm-hmm. And so naturally, I'm, I'm the outsider. They've all come through kindergarten together as a new teacher. So wanting to connect and you want to do that through sports. And um, mm-hmm. of course, I shared my wrestling background. So I sought out wrestlers and I wanted to support them. And uh, it was Jake Chapel's sophomore year. There were only three kids wrestling at the beginning of the year, so they decided to go to Benzie Central, where um, Josh Lewandowski also coaches, another Olivet grad, mm-hmm. so we knew of each other. <laughs> and they sent the uh, kids there, and they had a head coach at the time, and I asked Jacob, he was in my PE class, and I said, so when's your next meet, or when's your first meet? And he goes, I don't know, my coach hasn't been coming to practice. <laughs> and I go, what? Wow. Um, and so I went and sought out my principal and said, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, we're just kind of in this transition, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with the wrestling program, and um, there was a lot of talk of 
don't think that schools and, you know, we can talk about wrestling culture all we want. I don't think schools go out of their way to cut it. I think they just don't go out of their way to save it. Mm -hmm. Comfortable with letting the program kind of dissipate on its own. Um, Right. So I stepped in and said, if I can get meets, can I take them? And they said, sure. And Jake Stenz, my brother, was uh, the head coach at Alpina at the time. And I said, send me your schedule send me your contacts. Mm. And I literally reached out to every Saturday tournament and said, can I bring my one kid? He weighs 135. What can we do? Um, and clearly in Northern Michigan, my family's fairly well known. Uh, mm-hmm. So most people were willing to let me. I jumped in with Mancelona. They didn't have a 135 pounder. So I got permission through the MHSAA to kind of rainbow team, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that we could have Jacob Russell 135. And I took over and I, you know, I had an 18 month old who sat in my front pack <laughs> and, and we went to wrestling meets and uh, I had, you know, it was go Panther, my, my single guy. And mm-hmm. at the end of the year, I had a conversation with Matt Stapleton, who was a principal slash AD at the time. And, and he asked me, he said, Hey, do you want to start a weightlifting program or do you want to do something with this wrestling program? And my first thought was I teach PE and can hardly get these kids to lift when it's a grade. Uh, right. <laughs> and of, of course I want to take over the wrestling program. I mean, really, you know, I, I, I can say that I wrestled because my brothers wrestled, but I started wrestling because I watched wrestling save my older brothers. Wrestling saved them. It was, you know, and, and, and that's a story for a lot of wrestlers. But I was struggling and I wanted to figure out how to stand up, you know, after I got knocked down. And when I looked at my older brothers and saw that they were strong men and I wanted that, I, I correlated that to their wrestling and their football background. So that's why I joined. So I wanted that opportunity for kids, men or women, right? Like this is, this is the greatest sport alive (laughs) in in my opinion and and really is, is really the foundation of who I am. So yeah, I said, no, I want to do it. And the next year we recruited and we had, you know, seven or seven or nine kids come out. I think by the end of the year we had nine, you know, and four years later we won a district championship and it was exciting. And it's, it's a (laughs) cultural shift in, in the school. Um, It's a cultural shift in the state of Michigan to be a female (laughs) heading up a program, but um, it was an amazing journey and it really started with one kid who refused to give up wrestling. And, you know, a lot of his friends were like, just come play basketball. Like you don't even have a partner, you know, you have to drive 10 miles to even get to practice. And he was like, no, I really like the sport. Um, and kudos to him. Cause he went to U of M and now he's in the air force and a pilot. So <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely paid off. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's amazing that you talk about how wrestling kind of, uh, is for everybody. I mean, you get out of it what you put into it, but you think of stories like Anthony Robles, who won a national title for Arizona State and had one leg, or mm-hmm. or Kyle Maynard, who was a state qualifier in Georgia with no arms or legs. Um, there was a guy up here. So I'm I'm originally I live in the Pinconi area, and we're near a place called Standish, and they had a one-legged wrestler named Scott Suzuko. I want to say, mm-hmm. and yes. he was a yeah, and he was a three-time state place for them, a state semifinalist as a senior. Um, but there's just so many stories. One of my coaches back home, uh, Larry Powell, uh, who's a uh, National Wrestling Hall of Famer, was on the 1961 Michigan Lansing Michigan School for the Blind that won the state title um, in 61 and in 63. So there's all these stories about these opportunities that wrestling affords individuals that really – you don't have that in every sport, if that makes any sense. Makes complete sense. I mean, I uh, I repped MMWA uh, again with Chris and Jake and and the Rouches, you know, 
Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, we had uh, a deaf wrestler, right? So you always had mm-hmm. to touch him. You had to have hand signals. You had to yep. you had to make sure you do that. Roger said he had a blind wrestler. For my brother, Jake, they had Jake Orban, who he um, had had nothing below his knees, you know, and was a regional qualifier. So absolutely. Um, and the same is true for females. You know, we've had some breakout females in the CC Webers and, mm-hmm. and, um, and that have found success along the way. Uh, but wrestling just builds you different than any other sport, you know? And again, I think it kind of goes back to that. You get knocked down, you got to get back up. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just the toughness and the grit and then the camaraderie, you know, um, my wrestlers, cause of course they, they aren't from a culture of wrestling, um, at Frankfurt, you know, they talk a lot about football. We're a football town and the brotherhood Right. and you, you get, you get really close to their team, but there's something weird about wrestling. Cause not only do you have a brotherhood with your own wrestlers, you have a, you have a brotherhood and a respect for every other wrestler in the gym. You know, you, you one minute are, you have to wrestle them. And then after you win or you lose, you get up and then you guys talk about who you're wrestling next and give each other pointers. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Right. And you just don't do that in football. Like, you, no. don't, you, don't, you don't post game, talk about their next game and be like, Hey, yeah. So let me tell you about your next foot. <laughs> I mean, right. There's just a, there's a definite network and connectivity in regards to that. And I think a lot of it is, it doesn't matter what your role is, you know, whether you were a successful wrestler or not a re- successful wrestler, when people say they wrestled, there's just a mutual respect that happens. Right. You know, you've put in your time. It's, it's kind of like a military service, right? We don't right. ask people where they where they served or what platoon it's just oh you did service like thank you for your service and there's just that mutual respect and i think that Mm. comes from wrestling too yeah there's not a lot of egos in in this sport it's it's really interesting because you know you have a variety of friends that have had either equal or better success than you but you're still friends and it's not like well i i was a multi-state champion there's no like ego where and I played football too in high school and I still have good friends in football, but the majority of my friends are all former wrestlers. Like, right. Because as you said, you have that connection that um, we, we used to call it brother. It's more of a family. I like using right. family because Absolutely. it's including everybody now. Um, right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you. You've been regional coach of the year twice. Uh, congratulations on your honor this year. Thank you. And um, <laughs> uh what does it feel like when you get that kind of um, that um, vindicate or validation from your peers that what you're doing is pretty good? I it's helping helping kids. <laughs> first of all, kudos to most of the Northern Michigan coaches and refs because this really has been um, a very supported journey, right? And it's it's interesting even in my evolution of kind of I don't know willing to put the female coach in my title because when I first started coaching. You know, everyone wanted that to be the story and I refused. I said, I just like, I'm just, it's about the kids. It's I'm, I'm here 100% for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it was the first in 22 years. So clearly it was newsworthy. Jamie, regardless, I would still give like information about the coach. Like you led the program and I go, Oh, okay. I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and and it's, it's been a little bit of an evolution of, first of all, obviously having some confidence within myself and, and feeling accomplished and that I'm, I'm actually a respect.
for other females. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, um, Jamie, we had a yeah. little bit of a, a technical glitch there. Could you repeat what you were yeah. saying a little bit there? No, that's good. So uh, a little bit of understanding that there's a little bit of pressure in regards to being a female coach because I need to pave the way for um, for other females. So um, the first time that I was actually even put up for the honor, it was uh, Pine River, right? So Jones, mm-hmm. who is a yeah. such a respected coach and it was just an honor to even have him throw my name up there. And he did a great job by saying it's not because she's a female. He's like, she literally took a program from one kid to, um, to, to district championships, right? Like building a program when really we're kind of a dying sport. Like this is what we all should be doing that grassroots. Um, so the nod was, uh, you know, just as exciting as then actually being voted and nominated in regards to it. Uh, so I think that, I've always had Northern Michigan coaches who've had my back, right? So I go to meets and of course the refs like shove us all in one thing and they'll say no girls allowed. And then in the middle of everything, they'll be like, why are you here? And I don't even have to speak up for myself. <laughs> like the other <laughs> step in. Like she's not right. coach. What's your problem? You know? Um, right. And so I've, I've had a really good group of peer coaches who have um, assisted and been there. And then now to be a decade in, uh, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think because I feel like I'm still young. Uh, <laughs> but to be a decade in and to still be recognized, not for being a female coach, but just um, look to and see as a mentor. You know, I get a lot of coaches that call me uh, this past year, especially like, how do I use track wrestling? What is this new weigh-in program? What's going on? And then to be even nominated, you know, the MWA, right? The Coaches Association Northern Rep. Um, you know, those are all just huge honors and and to be working my way through. So it's, it really goes back to, to my kids and my relationship with my kids. Cause at the end of the day, the only people that I care that respect me are the, are the ladies and gentlemen in my room. Right. Right. Um, Everything else just makes things smoother and makes it easier (laughs) and and makes coaches meeting more enjoyable. You know, I'm going to be honest, my first year of coaches meetings, I hated those things. And now it's my favorite place. I'm like, hey, buddies, you know, <laughs> you know, it was extremely intimidating. And uh, and and clearly the more they let me speak and unfortunately for them, probably the more I do speak out. <laughs> um, but it's it's been a great journey. And I think at the end of the day, everyone knows that my number one is that I am an advocate for wrestling, you know, that I I just as what I did at Frankfurt is is what I want to happen across across the you know state. I want grassroots programs. I want more kids to have opportunities to wrestle. Frankfurt is one of the smallest div- division four programs with a, a team. We have been mm. the smallest a few times. So we're definitely in like the bottom three. Right. Um, and so I, I think it's important that regardless if I show up with one wrestler or I show up with 14 wrestlers, no matter what, I'm giving an opportunity to a wrestler. And, you know, if every school and administration and coach could, could kind of see wrestling through that eyes, I think we'd be in a completely different place nationally in regards to our sport. So oh, I think I, it's there. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, talk a little bit about the Michigan Wrestling Association. So I, I, I've been a member of the association for over 10 years, and I can remember from our conversations as a collective about what was a way for us to get girls wrestling. That's like the next evolutionary step. And, and the MWA, as it's called, did a great job of, starting the first state tournament um three years ago 
And my the second year, we actually had it when I was coaching at Bay State Western, Lydia Roop. And it was the first time I had been at the girls' states. And it was it was just – I almost had, like, a tear in my eye <laughs> because, as I described before, thinking of all those previous female grapplers. And you mentioned someone, too, like the C.C. Webbers um, that it really paved way or the uh, – I believe her name was Amy Bridgeris. She was, like, the first state placer in Division Four. I think she was from Martin. Um, <laughs> but all those different – like, they were just, crack, like, breaking the quote-unquote glass ceiling. And I just remember watching, like, wow, man, if we can, if we can do this, it'll be a great feeling. So tell me, what it was, what was your feelings when you got the call that, like, we we did it? It's going to be an official MHSA sanctioned sport. Um, I mean, excitement. I feel like that's the most over overused term. But like I said, my it, you know, my my parents are amazing parents. My dad's an an amazing man and has always encouraged me to do everything. And and he didn't discourage wrestling. But, you know, when I was in high school and playing football and wrestling, I mean, it, and then had opportunities for soccer, I, I wasn't discouraged to do it, but I was encouraged to focus on soccer, right? And right. I just think back that had had I been born, you know, not in the late 1900s, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, had I been a female in this era, how would that conversation look different with the wrestling family that we are? Right. right. Would I have been somebody who also would have been able to pave my path? So, you know, huge kudos, first of all, to Casey Randolph and his comes from, you know, he's got a daughter who, by the way, won a state championship this year. So did his son. How amazing yeah. is that? Talk about yeah. a wrestling family. <laughs> yeah, um, that could have been me. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but um, but the truth is, right, when we had that first girls, girls states, um, I have to tell you, it was extremely emotional for me. It was extreme. I, I was there with Brielle and Clapp, one of my females who placed in the state tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't help but during that march get teared up because I remember all of my brothers participating in that march. Right. right. And having to sit in the stands and to mm-hmm. see that. And the coolest thing is that I got to watch a lot of male coaches convert. I'm going to call it their conversion. Because <laughs> they can all say that they support women's wrestling and that they they support their females but, you know, especially unless your girl is a 103 and a 112 pounder, right? The, because right. after that, it, it changes in the, in the muscle to, to bi- bio, you know, biomechanic. You know, it gets bigger. It, that, yeah. that, gap, that gap gets bigger, and it's really hard for bigger girls to be successful. Not because they're bigger girls, you know, <laughs> but, you know yeah. but in regards to the weight classes. And mm-hmm. I watched male coaches celebrate their females. And that was the coolest, most empowering thing about it all that those girls got to be successful, that their job wasn't to go out there and not get pinned. Their job wasn't out, you know, you know, all those like typical roles that sometimes females have and right. they were truly celebrated. And I watched, I watched males celebrate their females the same way they celebrated their males. And that was cool. I watched, you know, I'm going to go back to, to, to Jones because I just totally respect him, but you know, for the finals, he showed up in his three piece suit. <laughs> just like the males, you know, and yeah. he, and he coached his girls in his three piece suit. And I watched, you know, Anaway's, um, Anaway's coach celebrate, um, when Brittany won her state championship, I mean, he celebrated as though it was his own daughter. Cause I watched him celebrate his son, Matthew, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that yeah. was cool to watch, um, in regards to that. And through the last three years, I have watched every year males almost be like this is cool this is awesome and really understand that their girls are competitive and they're good when they get the opportunity to wrestle other girls they are good 
so many of those females don't think that they are quality because they're not going to get 100 wins on their varsity team, right? They're not regional qualifiers. They're not celebrating that. And then all of a sudden you take them to a state tournament and they're dominating because they're quality wrestlers. And it is competitive. I mean, this year's state finals were electric <laughs> for the yeah. girls. I mean, uh-huh. I, I watched, um, and it was actually, it was a, a Clinton girl and a Grayling. It was Shelby Thomas from Grayling. And, uh, and I believe JC from uh, <laughs> Clinton. These girls were trying to kill each other. I mean, they were locking heads. They were throwing each other off the mat. I'm pretty sure the Clinton girl should have been disqualified because of a concussion, but she managed to stand back up. And then, you know, a minute and a half later, uh, Shelby had ended up, and I think they ended up cutting the thing because they said she was medically unable to compete. I mean, it was mm-hmm. the most right. insane match, you wow. know, and, and and I wish that that match could be shown 100 times to be like, no, these these girls are here. They're here to battle. It isn't this, you know, whatever people think it is, um, but it, it's quality wrestling. So to then know that not only are all these people who are there to support the females to then talk about that that's going to be a fifth division at at ford field is really cool right so when you talk about how this is important so i kind of compare you know helen and and what she did at the last olympics reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of the 99ers for women's soccer right right? like that is literally the same and i i was on the i was on the back end of that right like that's where odp and my soccer kind of women's women's soccer was exploding then and i think in women's wrestling is about to explode again you know we're already an emerging sport and a lot of great things but um with when i think about the little girls you know when when we talk about a cc weber or somebody who's at the state tournament you know and we've we've we have girls every year now there's usually one uh at Mm -hmm. least and there's one little girl that looks and says "Ooh, maybe i could be that girl but Mm -hmm. now when you see and there's 16 times 14 weight classes it's not maybe I can be that girl. It's look at, I'm going to be one of those girls when I grow up. And that's empowering, right? It's girls in the stands, you know, sisters, cousins, nieces, whatever, whatever reason they might be at Ford field or are going to watch a whole culture shift in regards to female wrestling and say, I can do that. And, And they're going to be there as their own division. Not maybe I could be that one girl that I only got to see wrestle one or two matches. And that's cool, right? <laughs> that's, that is that's, cool. When I think about that, that's when I get goosebumps because that's how women's wrestling grows, you know? And and it's already happening with coaching. You know, I was asked five years ago, do I think there's going to be more female coaches? And I was like, absolutely. Um, and, and I thought it would be quicker, right? I've, I've seen a couple of, uh, Ascoda had a female assistant for a year. TC Central had a female assistant for a year. You know, Union City just hired a, a female head coach for their middle school program. Right. Um, right. And, and now it's how do I mean, I have a little bit of a role now, too. How do I support those female coaches to make sure that they can put in their, their tenure as well? Right. How do I get those girls to a decade? How do hmm. we and I mean, we got to figure out how we're going to get male coaches to stick around for a decade. too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a podcast for, another, I, you know, when I have the, the roundtable podcast, we, we'll have to discuss that Um about longevity or and everything else when it comes to coaches. Um, I think about, um, gosh, uh, Rocky Shaft, who was a great mentor to me, passed away about a month ago and how he had this like 40 year run or, uh, uh, Todd Shaney at Heartland has a 29 year run, 
right. we don't have a lot of coaches putting yeah. in that kind of time. And it's a variety of reasons, but I don't want to take away right. from, right. from this conversation. That's, that's a lot of administration <laughs> and support and filling your cup up. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get that's a lot of that's that's a great chat a great uh, chat for another. Time. Yes, yes. <laughs> But um, so that's, like I said, that's the excitement for me, though, is for little girls to have somebody to look up to. And I, I have to kind of laugh. It, it makes me flash back to, you know, I've, again, I've had a lot of really funny stories about people not realizing I'm a coach, um, you know, and, and whether I, I call it the unicorn effect, you know, they've never seen one. So it's OK. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here I am. Um, yeah. But I was at a state tournament, of course, had my coaches pass and probably went to go get a pretzel or something. Cause I'm a sucker for those pretzels at the concession stand. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this little girl asked her dad, says, Daddy, what are all the passes for? And he goes, oh, you know, the yellow ones are for the wrestlers and the blue ones are for the coaches or whatever color it was. And uh, and so she kind of looks at him and she goes, so is that a coach? And he goes, oh, no, she's probably got someone else's pass. And just knowing me, I can't be quiet. So I literally, like, you know, bend down and was like, I am the coach. I'm the head coach at Frankfurt. So whether you want to wrestle or you want to be a coach, you can be whatever you want. And I just looked at it and walked away. Like, I'm not somebody's wife wearing a, a pass. Come on. Um, Oh my no, God. no offense yeah. to wives who do wear a pass, but yeah. <laughs> well, and that's well, just... the great thing too, is that, you know, when I started coaching, you know, my first two or three years, because my husband had coached at TC central and they were actually top eight in the state at the time. Every time I showed up to a tournament, people are like, where's Ethan? And I'm like, with our children, like, what, what do you mean? Where's Ethan? <laughs> like, I think they all just assumed he was the head coach. Right. And I was helping out or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, and finally, nine years later, I've let him become my assistant. Um, I finally have hired him, <laughs> you know, but they would the, the look on their face when I would be like that he's at home with our two boys. Like, you know, we have kids, right? Like, I can't keep them in my front pack forever. Uh, right. <laughs> so, so now that the boys are old enough and can come now, Ethan helps coach. And it's it really is a family matter. Um hmm. In regards to that, but that was kind of the literally for three years. I mean, you would think like the eighth tournament you've asked me where my husband is, and I tell him he's at home. Uh, you'll get the hint. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not leading this show. <laughs> but, right. Uh, um, gotcha. uh, people's perceptions of everything and what something's supposed to look like and um, trailblazers and, and <laughs> representation, I think, is always very important to see those kind of people. Um, that look like you, that you can reflect on them. I've had many mentors in my my time with coaching and everything else. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites, uh, Sam Davis, who's the head of fish for the MHSAA. Um, I always wanted to be an official because Sam Davis was this like icon to me. I saw him, I'm like, I want to be Sam Davis. And hopefully one day I'll be able to get him on the podcast and <laughs> tell him how wonderful <laughs> Sam is. A, he's an amazing, amazing individual. Right. Um, Last thing of note, what would you be, what would you tell a young coach that is trying to get their, their skin in the game, so to speak, what do they need to do to have success? Just, I, at the end of the day, everything I do is for the kids, right? And you just, you got to love them, <laughs> you know, and right. uh, you got to love them and you got to give them tough love. A lot of the times that love looks, looks tough, but you know, really, if you want success, um, kids know, like they, you, you just, you are, or you aren't, you know, you can say one thing and not, but you kids, kids can see through it. So if you're 100% invested in them, right. And you're invested for the right reasons, because 
you know, I, I kind of talk about this. I literally pluck kids out of the hallway. Like, I mean, we have a youth program, but again, we only have 30 kids and uh, that graduate. And so I'm, I'm plucking kids out of the hallway. And the first thing that I try to do is I actually try to pluck kids who need wrestling more than wrestling needs them. And I know they're going to make my life difficult, like, you know, because they're constantly in the principal's office. So they're, you know, they get, they're a little rough around the edges. And, and I pick kids who I think need wrestling more than wrestling needs them. And if, if they're a success story in four years, that's great. Um, and some of that success story could be that I just got them to walk across the stage in the spring. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay because that's my job. And that's what I think wrestling can do. So if you're a young coach and if you're truly there for the kids and, and aren't embarrassed, right? Like uh, you have to realize that you're going to show up with six kids and we could be 0-2 at the you know Northern Michigan Championships and that's okay. But we're going to hold our heads high because, you know, when – when people think about Frankfurt wrestlers, I want them to think about the fact that they're respectable kids and they're tough kids. That's really, that's really all I need. And then if I can get them to be quality wrestlers at the end of the day, that's even better. That's just, that's, that's the icing on the cake is, you know, when you get to win a district championship or you get to take a kid to the state finals, you know, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, I think coaches who are really in it because they want to provide an opportunity for kids to be successful that their cup is going to be filled much faster than if you're expecting accolades. Right. And so for me, I think about, you know, I had a special ed kid that I recruited and I know that he knows what teachers say about him. He knows in the IEP, what everyone's frustration is. And if I can think about them walking past a coach's meeting and hearing coaches talk about what a tough wrestler he is, or we're in a seating meeting and he's going to be seated, you know, the top two, think about how that fills that kid's cup and how, important that is for that kid to hear something because probably for you know the first 13 years of their life it hasn't heard very many positive things about them and then they get to come in and be a wrestler and like we talked about have the equal opportunity as everyone else like you get what you put into it so if they go Mm -hmm. all in regardless if they're adhd or they have all these issues right like they can be successful wrestlers and when they get to go see that they were seated top one or two or they know that they're respected that's a really cool opportunity for that kid. And that that's something that that flips the switch. As ed- educators, we talk about the light bulb, right? Yeah. But for me, I see that light bulb turn on that kid that when he puts himself into something and if he finds something he's good at and can see success, that makes that conversation about walking across the stage in the spring of his senior year much more worthy because they, they believe that they can be successful at something. And so if you're a young coach and you're getting into it, if you're into it for the right reason, regardless of what sport you're coaching, if you're really there for the kids and because you want to create better men and women, you're going to be fine and your kids are going to love you and you're going to get what you want out of it. Right. And maybe that's not going to be a state championship. You know, I may never be an RJ Boudreaux and I'm I'm okay with that. Like, good for him. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. nothing to take away. And I know he's filling kids cups and, and I know he, he actually probably isn't very far in regards to his coaching. Um, philosophy in regards to that right but if i never win a state championship i'm okay with that if i never get a kid to the top of the podium but like i say my my biggest and some of my my best accomplishments have been graduation have been jacob chapel going on and and, you know going into the air force and is now a pilot it is you know kids who have who have gone on and been successful adults and really in this sport and really in this day and age as a coach you're going to have to figure out ways other than trophies that your cup gets filled. Right. Right. And that you get that, that this is why I do it. And yep, I'm showing up next year, you know? So I guess my advice would be, 
you just have to be all in for those kids and you have to be willing to give them all of you and honestly and authentically because they know they they can see through it if it's not and uh you know i like i said i have a family that's wrestling i have a lot of wrestling background and and the other thing is too is i raise my hand right and and i volunteered i can i can play the woe is me and hey i didn't sign up for this i just tried to save a program that was dying but i i research i go to coaches clinics and trust me it's not fun <laughs> being the only female <laughs> with 250 men uh it's gotten a lot more comfortable but again you know <laughs> right you know but i go to coaches clinics and i watch videos and because i raise my hand i owe it to my kids to do better I owe it to my kids to, and and part of that was, you know, filling in my own gaps that recruiting my brothers, recruiting my husband, recruiting other people to be in my room because I know I'm not the smartest person. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. And and when we talk about that ego, you know, that's Mm -hmm. part of it that you surround yourself with people who you think are smarter than you. Um, And actually, you know, then you become smarter. And it's, I think a lot of times you have people who just want to, you know, hire minions because they need to to make sure they're going to follow your path, but do what right. you're, you're supposed to do to do right by the kids. And the rest is going to kind of work out for itself, you know, and the, and the kids who, who want it and who are, who are willing to, to kind of come on that journey with you are going to, and they're going to be really successful. And, and the truth is as coaches, and, and you know, this, like you have alumni that come back all the time, like you matter and mm-hmm. you matter because you made sure that they knew that they mattered. So, yes. So I guess that's what I would tell you, you know, grassroots, just do it for the right reasons, regardless of what you coach. And and when you raise your hand, you say you're going to do it. You have an obligation to provide the best of you as well. So I don't know if that was the right answer. Is there a right answer? <laughs> I, I, I think it's a great answer. Well, Coach Smith, I appreciate um, you chatting with me today. And and just you've been doing an amazing job. Appreciate everything you've done in your advocacy, not just for girls wrestling, but for wrestling in general. And it speaks to how you volunteer for stuff as a Michigan wrestling association, North region rep and the NWCA Michigan rep for girls wrestling and, and appreciate all the time that you put into, as you said it. And I think it's been said a lot of times, the greatest sport on, on the face of the planet. Absolutely. <laughs> So appreciate your time and enjoy the rest of your summer. As a teacher, I'm almost done with summer school. I have two more days and then I will be off into some beach area where it's like hot. <laughs> Head up to TC. It's beautiful up here. I mean, can't, I got I got lakes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look into that. Thank you again, Coach Smith. Take care. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.